Daddy wants to hurt you. When did it say that? Right now. Hello and welcome back to Scream 101 Podcast. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And today is one of our super special bonus episodes. This will be maybe even the first time that we do one of these. Maybe. Uh, today we're discussing The Conjuring 2 on the day of its DVD slash Blu-ray release. Yay! Uh, we're actually recording it the day it came out. Is there out. a digital copy with that? Is it Blu-ray? Yeah, the DVD, Blu-ray, and Ultraviolet. Alright. Oh, Ultraviolet? That's such a ripoff. I know. I've never been able to make that work. Anyway... We actually are recording this on the day that The Conjuring 2 came out in theaters, so this is one of the first episodes we've ever recorded, so if anything has changed, like, we are we are in the past. This is coming out way in the future because our podcast hasn't even started yet. We're kind of gearing up and practicing and everything. Yeah. So um, if, we're, if there's an inside joke that we've developed that we're just ignoring or something like that, this is why because it hasn't been invented yet this is time travel you guys it is you guys are getting a very special sneak peek as to what it means to be on the beginning of something yeah so if you guys are like why hasn't he mentioned the pregnancy that's why what pregnancy well hasn't happened yet we don't have to worry about it who's pregnant i don't know uh the conjuring 2 Ooh, featuring patrick wilson Vera and Vera Farmiga. Farmiga. That other lady. Maria Doyle Kennedy. Franco remember Potenta. her? Yeah. Remember oh Maria? Um, as you may or may not know, I am a horror news editor at Arrow in the Head. You should read him. He's pretty funny. Thank you. I try. He adds class to that site. I really do. But one time I typed Maria Doyle Kennedy into my my super professional image search program called the Google. Yeah. <laughs> and brought up a whole bunch of pictures of Tatiana Maslany because they're both on Orphan Black. And I accidentally put her picture instead. He picked the hotter one of the two. That's what he did. It is what I did. He was ageist. But this is based on a true story. So that's exactly what they did during yeah, casting. True. They picked the hotter version of the real person. Let's actually get into the discussion. This is going to be a shorter episode than normal because uh, for obvious reasons, we can't do champion dialogue and stuff like that. So we're just going to head straight on to the discussion. Here's the plot to The Conjuring 2. In 1977, paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren come out of a self-imposed sabbatical to travel to Enfield, a borough in North London. There, they meet Peggy Hod... Peg Peggy Hods... <laughs> Peggy. Pe I like Peggy better. There, they met our... Arpeggio Mezzo Soprano. Uh. There they meet Peggy Hodgson. <laughs> Peggy. An overwhelmed single mother of four who tells the couple that something Does evil. Does it really say overwhelmed? Yeah. It's kind of messed up. She can't afford her rent. They, can she really not? No, that's what I told you after you came back from the bathroom and you ignored me. Oh, I remember you said something about her smoking. No, I told you so much, and you only heard the first, like, four words. Well, you were whispering. should have been louder. I was, it was during the movie. Okay. There they meet Peggy Hodgson. Peggy. Oh. Her name is Peggy now. There they meet Peggy. Peggy. Hod I'm calling her Peggy. But I was thinking about just putting that in the bloopers, but now we just got to keep going, I guess. Yeah, this is one of them inside jokes. Okay. There they meet Peggy Hodgson, an overwhelmed single mother of four who tells the couple that something evil is in her home. 
Ed and Lorraine believe her story when the youngest daughter starts to show signs of demonic possession. Ooh. As the Warrens try to help the besieged girl, they become the next target of the malicious spirits. Who would have saw that coming, huh? I know. Also, can I mention um, in early drafts or of like publicity for this film it was called The Conjuring 2, The Enfield Poltergeist, but they totally dropped that subtitle. Like, when I, did that go do, I thought it still was The Enfield Poltergeist. I don't know. In the credits, it just said The Conjuring 2 in big yellow William Peter Bloody letters. But at the beginning of the movie, didn't it say The Enfield Poltergeist? I don't think so. I didn't pay attention to that, but I feel Clearly. like it's still there. Whatever. I still feel like it's there. Well, I mean, it said it was in Enfield. I don't know. We got to look into that. We got to rewatch it we on will. this Blu-ray DVD combo pack. That is out ultra- now in the featuring future. Featuring Ultraviolet stuff, the band, Ultraviolet yeah, okay, the no. band. Featuring Ultraviolet is about as exciting to me as like featuring Snoop Dogg. It's like, nope, not going to okay, listen to that. First off, Snoop Dogg is a classic. Don't you I... dare bring him into okay, this. Okay, but Snoop Dogg today? He gave us peaches and cream. I hate that song. I love that song. That's actually okay. Anyway. See? Sergio, what's your scariness rating for the content? Um, for too? scariest, I gave it three and a half out of five screams. I'm still used to not used to this um this form of measurement screams. You will be by the time this episode comes out. Hopefully. I'll say three and a half stars. You know, three and a half stars. Uh, it was pretty good, but I felt like I was just watching like a revamped version of Conjuring the first. I mean, yeah, that that makes sense. But I mean, this is James Wan's second sequel. And Insidious 2 was such a piece of garbage that I'm happy that this is at least more or less on the same level. Yeah, that's why I got the half instead of just like three or two or something, because he was more or less like he used his resources better this time. He didn't let Rose Byrne and uh, what's his name? Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson go to waste. He used uh, Vera Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson to the best of their abilities. Okay. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I and he included new scares, which is something that was good, mm-hmm. particularly the water scare. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I gave it three to five screams. Um, so just like half a tick below yours. James Wan's scares are always very well composed. He has a very classical sense of how to compose. I mean, let's call it like it is. They're jump scares. Like let's yeah. call a spade a spade. I jumped during that water scare, so yeah, that's pretty accurate. But his are very well produced they're almost too classical to the point where i can predict every single scare the second it's about to happen but they're so well made that they still work yeah like it's made with such a delicate rhythm that you're very tuned into what's going to happen Mm-hmm. well i mean that just speaks to how well of a filmmaker he is because i mean the music ties in very well i guess not music the score the score background yeah, noises the score by joseph bashara who's done a lot of james wan stuff it was particularly good in this one uh-huh and then the visuals match up and then the cutaways everything works very uh it, like meshes really well together mm-hmm. when he does the things and one complaint i do have about the scariness though is that i feel like he kind of blew his wad pretty fast what do you mean? Like, I think that the... He blew his wad. I know. I th- Well, I think that the level of scariness of things that were happening was a little jumbled. Like, because there was a really creepy scene where you actually, like, see the entity behind the little girl. And it's really scary. But then the next scene, you're supposed to be scared by a rocking chair moving back and forth. And I'm like, like this is not the same level of scare as what I just received. Like, you got to start with the rocking chair and build up. Okay. Like, that's like starting your um, meal with filet mignon and then going to soup. Like, the soup's not going to be as good. 
I mean, I guess that makes sense, but um, I kind of like being like in in and out and in and out of like in a scary movie because that way it brings you in. It allows you to like unclench your butt cheeks once you're out, and then it's like, oh crap, I gotta clench them back up because here we are in this water scene. Okay, I just I can't stop, you know, raving about that water scene where the little hand comes and bites that girl. I that don't know cool. why they were down there in the first place. Like, just oh, let yeah. your let no. your basement flood at this point. Yeah, you know, kudos to the production designer for creating the scariest basement I've ever seen in a horror movie. It's like this awful flooded monstrosity. Mm. Um, it looks like uh oh shoot, I have no idea what movie I'm thinking of. But it Swamp. looks like it looks like an aqueduct. An aqueduct, really? Yeah. How many movies have you seen with aqueducts? Plenty. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, one more thing before we move on. I really, really like how this entity, it manifests even when there are cops and adults around. Oh, yeah. That was good. Yeah. Like, as a horror movie aficionado, I, I've become used to, like, the kids see something scary, tells their mom, but when the mom comes, there's nothing there. Yeah. But here, this thing does not care. It's going to freak whoever the hell is in the room yeah. all the way. And the cops back her up, too. Like, oh, we'll back you up. Yeah, you know, exactly. We got your back. Um, I mean, it's like baby we're, got we're back. leaving, but we'll say it happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I really appreciated that. And I think that kind of brought it up to the next level because I don't think the scares are as fresh mm-hmm. as the original The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. But that added layer, that frisson helped a lot. The frisson? What does that mean? Frisson, like a little little tingly, tinglings. Is that a real word? It is. Okay, the frisson. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Peggy and her frisson. Oh, God. So let's move on to campiness. Sergio, what's your campiness score? Um, I gave it zero out of five because I feel like it's not really campy at all. Okay, no, like I for, I'm remembering one line. Uh, I'll give it a one now because this line was so great it made me like laugh out loud in the theater. One what? Of the, uh, and the line was, uh, uh, "Oh, Patrick Wilson is." looking at this new equipment that he has with his oh, new yeah. team and he's carrying this like big heavy camera over his shoulder and it looks like seriously heavy it looks like he's like carrying like a 50 pound like weight yeah but it's it's like he looks like atlas underneath that camera yeah pretty much and then he like surprisingly says it's so small and light you know and that just got me it ripped me to the side. oh yeah that's one of those we're secretly in 2016 moments. Yeah. Because th- this film time jumped from the 60s to the 70s, right? Or at least from the early 70s to the late 70s. It time jumped somewhere in that period. I don't, I'm not it, a fan of history, really. It's supposed to be like at least six or seven years after the first one, which mm-hmm. only came out a couple years ago. They're doing an, an X-Men thing. I feel like the next one's going to be in the 80s. Then it's going to be in the 90s. That'd be pretty great. I mean, they're still alive. And then it's going to be insidious. Yeah. No, um... Well, Ed Warren's passed away. Has he really? Mm-hmm. I don't know the last movie they were both still alive. No, no, Ed Warren has been uh, deceased for not like a crazy long time. But let me look that up. Oh no, because that was one of the reasons that I felt so comfortable with his with their safety in this movie was because I was like, they're both still investigating paranormal activity to this day. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they did not die during these situations. Did he die of the natural causes? That afflict a man. Let me see. He died in 2006 at the age 79. He like he's hella old. Okay. Uh, Lorraine is still alive. She's 89. All right. Wow. So Patrick Wilson looks like you have work for a couple more sequels if you God, don't blow until he it. Turns 79. Yeah. If you don't blow it. You mean if he doesn't blow all his conjuring money on cocaine and die a young early death? Well, I mean if they don't fuck up the next movie because this one's clearly going to get a sequel. Oh yeah, no, they're they're doing fine. I'm like, look, Annabelle got a sequel. Yeah, The Conjuring. But Annabelle will get did a like thing. amazing at the box office. It really did. We I think it got like something like over 200 million worldwide on against a seven million dollar budget or okay, something. Okay, that that is crazy. Um. Anyway, uh, 
Did we talk about campiness at all? We, I feel like we got distracted. Well, I mentioned the line. And oh, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I don't know what happened along there. We started talking about Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Okay, I gave <laughs> it I gave it two out of five perms because I think there were some very silly silly things going on. First of all, there was there was actually a very very uh, well used spot of comic relief in this movie. Like, which one was that? Well, just there, there is a sorry. There's a thread of comic relief kind of through the whole thing, mm-hmm. where there are lines that are funny and are amusing or enjoyable or sweet or whatever. It's not Lee Winnell comic relief where he's hitting you in the face with a hammer and you're actually like laughing out loud. Uh huh. But it actually it fits the tone of this movie better. Okay. Okay, I have a question for you now. Okay. Um, how does that work with, like, do you think it would have been better to have had? The movie that we got with the comedic line, like, like, would you prefer that where it's steady, or would you prefer the laughter to have died down as the scariness goes up? You mean like, Cause you a, said as that, we approach the end? You uh huh. You said you didn't like that the scariness like ebbed in and out. You said you would prefer it to like been constantly building and building and building to like that climax. Okay. That, so, what would you have preferred? No. Okay. I uh, I understand what you're saying, but I think that instead of the scariness ebbing in and out from like being really scary to less scary. Mm-hmm. I think each scary moment should build on to the next one and get scarier and scarier, but the tone should ebb towards a, like a calmer, more romantic, more comedic scene. And then to an even scarier moment. Okay. So like we do need those breaks to relax. So, cause if it's just constant scares all the time, we're not going to be scared by the end. We're just like, okay, I'm tired. I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm done with this. Um, so we do need those breaks, but those breaks shouldn't be scary things. Okay, I got you. I see the error of my ways. No, I mean that that's my opinion. All right. But um yeah, there there's a couple things that are a little campy that's where it's like, "Oh, the demons giving us garbled messages." Blah, blah, blah. It's like, "Okay." Uh, that wasn't that campy. That was serious. That was full quarter of the plot. No, it was just so silly. There were a lot of silly ways that they figured out how to get out of okay, this situation. Okay, that was true. Like, the way they figured Scooby out the, the way they figured out that the tapes matched up and let's, let's play them together in this one shot. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little bit of um, a common thread of this film is taking a leap of faith, and that's exactly yeah. what it asks the audience to do in certain plot points. Everything was just very easy for them. There was no struggle to defeat this demon, really. Uh-huh. And for me, there are moments where um, Ed and Lorraine Warren are put through very, very typical horror movie scenarios where I'm like, these guys are professionals. Do you think they're gonna walk down the hall and check out that closet that's creaking open? I'm not sure. I think they know what I, they know better than that. Yeah. And there's this one scene where, where they get on a train and they have like a 30-minute conversation oh my and God, do eight things about and the train already. has not left and they just get off the train again. That's what trains do. They have a specific time to leave. So if you arrive early, you're going to be waiting. Yeah, well, maybe. It, okay, it's like it when you're so on a plane, long. Brennan. It's like when you're on a plane, all right? Like the moment you sit down, the plane's like, all right, we're going to take off. It's like, let's wait 30 minutes and make these people's lives hell before we leave the tarmac. Well, but trains aren't like singular like that. They're on a time schedule with other trains. Exactly. So if you arrive early, you will leave okay. late. Uh, hey, everyone. Tweet us at Scream101Pod. If you get on a train traveling, it's, no. Um, If you get on a train <laughs> and, you dis- and you wait half an hour and then get off, is that possible? Ha- does anyone that listening go on trains? Because I guess I don't have as much experience with trains as I think I do. I want to get on a train at some point this year. But I have been on a train in England, so I feel like I have a one-up on you. Were you really on a train? Was it a train or was it a subway? It was a train. Uh, where'd you go? Uh, well, we went from Newton Lee Willows to Chester, which is a walled That's city. It's all so British. It really is. Newton Lee Willows, little frog. 
little little wind in the willows. Oh yeah, okay. A little frog. Got it. I got it. I got okay, you. Okay, thank you. All right. So instead of gore, instead of a gore score, we're gonna do an effects score for this one. So Sergio, what's your score for? Um, effects? I gave it three ghosties. <laughs> I'm not saving saying several limbs. Nobody lost anything in this movie. So that's true. I mean, it's three ghosts. People lost were, their mind. People, were there three ghosts in this movie? Because there, there was, was the demon thing, and then the other demon, and then the nun, or I guess was that no, one? That, demon? Was, that was just two. Oh, and then the old man. That's just two. Okay, and then the third. That was the third. Annabelle but, was in it. She, she got a little, she got a little cameo action. Mm-hmm. Annabelle I, is also available on DVD around now, so if you want to go to your nearest Target and buy not it, buy Annabelle, why? I liked Annabelle. It had a couple okay scare scenes. It was good. I don't know what you're talking the about. The ending was stupid. Anyway, we're not reviewing All Annabelle. All right, fine. Um, three. One of my favorite scenes, and I was waiting to talk about this. It was the scene where they are gonna, where the Warrens finally arrive to the house, and they're gonna interview the little girl or Janet, and uh-huh. so they Damn give. It. Huh? Damn it, Janet. You haven't seen Rocky Horror. That's I haven't. They're going to interview Damn it, Janet, apparently. I'm just going to keep name. saying that whenever you say Janet. All right, fine. Peggy. All right, so. No, Peggy's the mom. <laughs> I know, but I was going to throw that out there. Okay. Say, Damn it, Janet. I'll say Peggy. So they're going to interview the little girl. They give her water so that, to prove something. Did I miss something with that? Um, They're saying that the voice that is like possessing her is actually coming from outside of her. So they're trying to prove this by putting water in her mouth and seeing if the voice can still speak. Oh, okay, I got you. All right, so as Brennan just said, they put water in her mouth. She doesn't drink the water, um, but then like the camera focuses on Patrick Wilson because the demon has asked that he look away for this scene. So you see Patrick Wilson's face, and then you slowly see the little girl out of focus, like get slower and slower and slower out of focus, but at the same time, like you're looking at Patrick Wilson. So whatever image that is on the right of the screen and it's slowly being blurred out, like transforms into this old man, like in like, yeah, the- Yeah, that, that is- a brilliant technique in that scene like because it's so subtle yeah you're not sure what's happening exactly so amorphous and strange it's really cool that i'm glad you brought that up yeah that scene was the one that like got me i was like oh this is a really good scene and i was like oh crap this guy's gonna he's this guy's legit he's gonna kill them all Uh uh-huh uh for effects i gave it three out of five severed limbs it's a ghost story it's very simple in terms of what it's doing. It's stuff that's been going on since the 70s. Mm -hmm. So nothing really stood out to me, but everything was very well done. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a lot to say on this Uh, matter. I would have given it a higher score, but some of the things that brought it down for me, like no offense, James Wan, but I feel like most movies do better with minimal scary effects, uh, or at the very least, less CGI. Like I thought the transformation, like, okay, spoilers. Yeah. Um, there was a dog in the movie and eventually it transformed into this, the stick man or it's something? It's the crooked man. The it's crooked like, a, man? like a nursery rhyme thing. All right. Are you familiar with it? Was that brought up during your time at Nottingham? No. When in the Willows, England? It was not. All right. Um, the dog transforms into the crooked man and I was just like, ah, really? And then at yeah, the end of the movie, like, like there's the big demon reveal I was like, uh, again, it's just, it's cheesy. It's over the top. It's kind of campy. Yeah. It's like some, some big top Pewee stuff. Yeah. So that brought it down for me, but otherwise I enjoyed it. And again, like this movie has the weight of being compared to conjuring, like the original conjuring. So when you compare the original conjuring, which I felt was much more better in terms of, it was very low key and very subtle. Yeah. Everything was more subtle. Everything was, yeah. The applause thing. Um, I live for the applause. Yeah, um, it was just it was just done better. It was cleaner. So it's not necessarily a bad movie. It's just bad in comparison to its predecessor. Yeah, as most sequels are. Yeah. 
But um, that actually segues pretty well into the quality score. I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5 unlucky stars, but it's more like a 3.5, but I don't like to Do be wishy-washy. Yeah. I like to commit. Uh-huh. So I'm committing on the side of 4 out of 5 because I did enjoy this movie. The overall scares weren't as solid as the original Conjuring because they were a little wobblier just in terms of uh, consistency. Yeah. But I think that the th- characters and the emotional through line of this movie were much more solid. Yeah, they were a little bit more fleshed out. You're right. Yeah, like I, I, I mean, obviously we have a whole conjuring behind us to understand who Ed and Lorraine Warren are yeah. in terms of this movie universe. Mm-hmm. But they still feel the need to explain to us who they are at the beginning of the movie. Well, yeah. But I really, really liked their interplay here. And it's a very romantic movie in yeah. a strange way. It's one of the best things that I said about that movie. Mm-hmm. All right. And I also gave it four out of five unlucky stars. Although I guess if you're giving it four out of five, those are some lucky stars, you know, if it's a pretty high <laughs> rating. But um, enough me nitpicking about Brennan's rating systems or how he names them. Yeah, I gave it four out of five. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it's kind of like a common trope that when a sitcom is dying and becoming really bad, they take a trip to London. Mm-hmm. So, really? Yeah, like um, Parks and Rec in season six, they oh, yeah, went to London. Right. Um, friends went to London in season six, like yeah. as they're just kind of declining. It's, you gotta, you gotta bring in the Brits. Yeah, it's kind of a trend, or or they take a trip somewhere. Yeah, like a Cougar Town. I always Town. just figured that the budgets were bigger, so they could afford to go somewhere. Well, no, the thing is, they're they're spending more money to try to get more audience by uh, creating a bigger spectacle. I always felt like because by season six, the cast members have like producer credits, and they're like, "I know it's a great idea. We're gonna have Ross fall in love with Rachel in London, the city of magic, or yeah. I don't know something like that, where they get a free trip to London, and you know." Yeah, no, that that's part of it. But it's also because they need bigger and better episodes, or bigger and bigger episodes to get people to keep watching. Right. Like people are having babies, people are getting married, all that crap. So, what do you think's gonna happen for Conjuring Three? Uh, Vegas. Vegas, really? Yeah, the Conjuring Three. Uh, I feel like that's the next season of American Horror Story. The haunted slot machine. Yeah, that makes more sense. Oh, where should they go? I want them to go to. I feel like Vegas. There's magic in that city. They should go to Iceland. Why would they go all the way over there? That would be so fun, and they got the Fae. We still wouldn't watch. I would watch it. Also, before we move on totally from discussion of The Conjuring, this is also a secret Christmas movie. Oh, I love that. Yeah, like, um, that's kind of a backstage theme of Scream 101 because we opened with I, Madman, which is secretly a Christmas movie. Uh-huh. And our one-year anniversary was Night of the Comet, which is also a secret Christmas movie. Uh-huh. Like, there's just Christmas in the background. Yeah. This is another one of those. Yay. I feel like Shane Black is directing all these movies we're watching. Cause all Shane movies, Black? Uh, he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and The Nice Guys. All his movies are set oh, on okay. Christmas. Yeah. Such a magical time. I just wanted to bring that up. Hark the Herald Angels. Okay, you got 10 seconds for it to pay royalties. Uh, really? Uh, I don't know who. Uh, you know what? Whoever wrote that's probably like old. And I dead, feel like so it's public fine. domain, right? I was going to say public dominion. Public <laughs> domain. Yeah, it is a, this is like a demonic movie. <laughs> public legion. All right. Uh, okay, so let's move on. What's the best thing about The Conjuring 2 in your eyes? Um, I really like Peggy. You know, just being a single oh mom. God, what's the best thing? Raising four kids. She she did what she had to do to survive. She had the great line of, "What's all this, Sen?" Like you. She like, was very British. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember at the end of the movie when you saw her actual picture? What you said? Oh God! Yeah. Um. It's because uh, during the end credits, which is 
kind of not really a spoiler. Yeah. Um, they they just show photos of the real people in the real Enfield Poltergeist incident incident. Because it's based on a true story. Yeah, and so it's like, okay, look, Patrick Wilson next to anyone, that other person's gonna look way less sexy. Yeah, but um, the real people are so much different than the actors. But Maria Doyle Kennedy, right? That's the lady's name. No, that was uh the mom. No, Maria Doyle Kennedy was the neighbor. Who's the mom? I don't remember who the mom was. Her name's Peggy. Peggy. Okay. <laughs> the lady who paid Pe- who played Peggy, the mom. Look her up. You got your phone? I don't care. Okay. But it, it showed her next to a picture of the actual mom. And the mom, like, she's just this. Bless her heart. She's this poor British mom. So, But she's got, like a, like, a cigarette dangling out of her mouth. And she just looks so frumpy, I hate to say. I don't want her to haunt me. Um, she may she rest in peace. Frances O'Connor was Peggy. Okay, Frances. Oh, that. Oh, shoot. Yeah, that's who. I totally knew that. Never mind. Um, Apparently not, because we asked you like five times, and you didn't even care to look it up. I'm the one doing the hard lifting so here. Much. Okay, but I saw that picture and I was like, oh man. And I was like, did somebody say muffins? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that had me rip roaring. Thank you. Which is a reference to the Magic Bullet infomercial, which is awesome. What? Did you not know that? No. It okay. Um. Quick review of the Magic Bullet infomercial. Five out of five in Lucky Stars. It's about this couple where the lady's American, the dude's British for no reason. And they're is like, he really British or is it like an accent that he put on for the no, infomercial? No, he's British. Okay. And well, I feel like it's not for no reason then if it's his actual accent. No, it's just everybody else in the infomercial is American. And so well, it's, he did the oh, right God, casting. Okay, okay. So it's staged as this like huge family reunion type thing where everyone's has been sleeping upstairs and they're coming downstairs and so like evil fred who doesn't believe in the magic bullet he's like can it really do all those things and they're like watch just press it three times an instant perfect salsa for your family and they're like oh my god yay and they're like sounds delicious and that's not all you can make muffins and then hazel who's this like hag grandma comes down she's like did somebody say muffins <laughs> and she's smoking and the ash on the end of her cigarette is like longer than the actual working cigarette and she's great i love her can you really make muffins with the magic bullet well can you really do anything with the magic bullet i don't know i don't own one i feel like this Shannon i had no does, idea that she really it. it's not very good oh god anyway i'm so sorry uh we may i may or may not cut this out and put it at the end my best thing is the stuttering son oh also never mind my best thing wasn't necessarily the magic muffins oh my god what was your best thing the romantic subplot i loved how we got to see more of them in love yes yes their marriage did span three or four decades of nothing but ghost hunting so clearly they were in love with each other and the ghosts that haunted them so yeah, there, there's a they kind of delve into why they're in love with each other and how they found each other. Mm-hmm. And there's such a sweet scene with an Elvis song. And I love the ending scene with the Elvis song was better than the one you're talking about. Okay, spoilers. Um, there there is an Elvis song throughout this movie. Wise men say, but only just, fools pay royalties. Yeah, it's it's way way too sweet for a movie like this. Like I had tears in my eyes and I was like, did I, you really? I did. And I was like, I don't feel okay about this. Oh my God. Anyway. Well, I, you know what I thought was going to happen in that spoiler scene? Sorry for interrupting. I'm so okay, sorry. Yeah. I keep talking about the ending scene. I'm saying, ah, oh, whatever. Let's just not talk about it. Cause oh, okay, fine. Well, you know how she's a struggling mom. Uh-huh. I was just going to steal Patrick Wilson away. Oh, I thought okay. what the ghost was trying to warn her about. I, uh, okay. This isn't the OC. You don't know. They're trying new things. They are. Okay. They're in London. Okay. Everything goes. So my best thing is stutter- stuttering son I'm Henry. Sorry. 
because he's obsessed with biscuits. And by biscuits, I mean like weird sugar cookies that they have. It is regular um, plain vanilla cookies. Uh-huh. But yeah, um, there's a great scene. The mom's putting him to bed, and they have this huge plate of cookies, and he's nibbling on one. She's like, don't eat all of those, or you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and see a ghost. Um, she didn't but, say that. Well, no, but he did. She's going to wake up all night all thirsty. Uh-huh. And you're going to want some muffins with that, says the pigeon. Hey, <laughs> you want some muffins? Um, but anyway, so he's going to bed all sweetly, and he has a cookie in his hand, and you just hear him crunching as he's, like, laying his head on the pillow. And it was so fun. And then it just cuts to the empty plate. And I'm like, this kid is, like, the prequel to the Cookie Monster. Like, he is ravenous, and I love he's him. He's a kid. All kids love the, all cookies. That's why the Cookie uh, Monster is so big with them. And that's the – see, I – Kids are miraculous because if I ate that many cookies, I wouldn't be able to sleep because I'm an old man. It was like five small vanilla cookies. They weren't like Oreos or Chips Ahoy. They were pretty big. They were like big, like they were like the size of compact discs. Not you're exaggerating. (laughs) They were like the size of coasters, like small coasters for like shots. But they're bigger than Chips Ahoy. No, they're not. They're thinner. They're thinner. Oh my god. Okay. What was the worst? They're tea cookie. They're hard and they're thin. Okay, this is the worst thing about my life right now, but what's the worst thing about the movie? Um, Worst thing would I put? I put the special effects. Okay, Not the special yeah. effects, but just, like, in particular, the crooked man and how he transformed from a dog. I just can't. I, this isn't the Animorphs, people. Like, I'm not trying to watch this movie to see, to yeah. be blown away by things becoming other things. That's I wanna, a little cheesy. I want to see the man with the eyes. and Like, that's what special effects is meant for, to heighten the image, not to greatly exaggerate it. You're right. That's very that's very profound. I got that from Tina Fey. Thank you. Oh, like for, with her Photoshop? Yeah, exactly. Good, from Bossy yeah. Pants. Bossy um, Pants is also available at Barnes & Noble, so if you guys want to get a if, copy. If that's still open by the time this episode comes out. Barnes & Noble is like great. Like, it's big. They're doing all right. They're fine. Uh, my worst thing about The Conjuring 2 is that this is kind of, this is a spoiler. So skip the next like minute. Um, it's too easy to kill the demon. Oh, yeah. Like, there's this whole thing. We could have killed the demon with all the little hints we got. Yeah, they're, um, the whole thing is they need the name of the demon, and literally all she has to do is remember that the demon already gave her its name, which is the stupidest, most contrived thing ever. Yeah. And Multiple times, too, in her own house. Yeah, it's The super. demon was in her house with her oh. man. Yeah, it was, it was kind of... Uh, just uncomfortably lame. I feel like that should have been explained a little bit more. Like, why was the demon trying to break up that beautiful marriage? It was not. Yeah, it was. It was trying to kill Patrick Wilson. Well, it's different than breaking up a marriage. I feel like if you kill one half of the marriage, Brennan, that's breaking it up. I get, Well, uh, I mean, she's a medium. She could probably still chill with him from okay, beyond the grave. Point. That's a good point. Thank you. <laughs> okay. He haunts her ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that'd be great. I'd pay to see that. That'd be like, that's good for Conjuring 5, you know? Oh my God, stop shaking the microphone around. Why? Your voice is like leaping back and forth. I'm just very emphatic with my emotions. No, I'm happy, but like the people need to hear your emotions. Too. Don't feel it. I'm bringing them in, all right? Okay. They'll be like, oh, this guy's great. This is he a feels- 3D podcast. Yeah. I come in and I come out. Just like the movie Scares. I ebb in and I ebb out. Okay, perfect. I am The Conjuring. Okay, and before we close out this episode, let's talk a little bit about this movie within the context of James Wan's overall career. Mm -hmm. All right, so in terms of all the movies that I've seen of James Wan, I've seen seen The Insidiouses. I saw The First Conjuring. Um, I saw Saw. Dead Silence. You saw Dead Silence? How was that? 
It was okay. It wasn't bad. Like for a first effort, it was pretty. It was pretty good. It wasn't his first. It wasn't his first. Saw was his first. Saw was his first. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess his first puppet movie then. Well, Saw had a puppet in it too. Oh my god. Sorry. Fine. His first supernatural film. Like, okay. can I say that, Brennan? Yeah, you can. Was there any supernatural elements in Saw besides the fact that Jigsaw kept coming back? Not really. No. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. I saw Fast and the Furious. Fast Seven. Fast Seven. Furious Seven. Whatever it is. And Seven. Uh. The 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 Seven. Never mind. Keep going. Seven puppets for seven wands. Uh. Is that <laughs> it? That's his career, actually. All right. So, I feel like this is okay. It finishes in a, finishes in for a good sequel. Yeah. It's his best it, sequel to yeah, date. Yeah, because Insidious Two was nonsense. Yeah. Insidious Three was not by him. What about uh, you? Yeah, I this is probably upper middle range for me. I think his what's his best movie? Probably The Conjuring. Yeah. Uh with Saw below that because I think Saw is just a really gonzo debut film. Mhm. I it's, like Saw. I'm not a fan of like torture porn and you know that old I thing. I mean, the original Saw isn't torture porn. It's more like a mist game, like a locked room mystery psychological thing. Psychological thriller? Yeah. yeah. Th- this movie it it has all the one trademarks. It has Old ladies with white makeup on, because he's so scared of old people. Yeah. Um, it has. Who isn't though? I guess you're you were right. scared when we went to that jewelry store earlier. I was a little scared. Um, well, they were talking about Republicans. It it did not have a doll or a puppet in this one, but it did have haunted like toys, like there was a truck and stuff. Yeah. Well, it had that weird little spindly thing. Does I guess that counts a little bit? Is is he's he's going alt on his puppets in yeah. this one? But the thing I've always said about James Wan is that he takes a whole bunch of really hoary old horror tropes yep, and just puts them in a blender, makes them his own movie. But I think the fact that no one else is really doing classical haunted house movies like he is and mm-hmm. the fact that... Oh, also, one thing that I really liked about this movie, sorry to interrupt you, it's okay. um, was that it began with the Amityville Horror. That was interesting. Like, I really like that because I feel like that's something that is, like, pop culture 101 at this point. Yeah, Like, absolutely. everybody has some frame of reference for that. So it was an excellent way to introduce the family um, and also, like, bring in, like, oh, this is what they do and this is what this movie's going to be about. It's going to be, like, another haunted house thing. Mm-hmm. And that that was, like... That scene was like uh, in the beginning of every James Bond movie. He has like a little mini adventure before they get to the real thing. Yeah. So that was their mini adventure. Yeah. It was cute. Like the story that made them famous, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, because Wong. it was a little bit about the media blitz following them too. Because yeah, it was. people people were faking uh, things to try to get on the TV or try to get money. Yep. So that's kind of like a big subplot of that. Never thought about that. The that's balloon cool. boy of their time. <laughs> yep. But yeah, no, James Wan takes a lot of things from a lot of different movies and he does them well, but it's all stuff you've kind of seen before. Yeah. And especially in certain scenes in this one, I was like, oh, there's the creepy kids from Sinister. There's the mirror from Oculus. There's the credits yeah. from The Exorcist. There's everything from The Exorcist. Yeah. There, And literally Amityville horror is in this movie. Like there's a yeah. lot of elements from a lot of other things. But at Which, the same time, you have to get him. Oh no, never mind. Continue. You're gonna. You're not finishing. You're finishing. Yeah. No, I just. I just think it's. It's a little tired, because Juan has been doing this for a while. Because Insidious is just Poltergeist, mm-hmm. and The Conjuring is The Exorcist plus The Haunting, mm-hmm. and so there's like you I saw The it. Haunting. Uh no. So I feel like you can't make that statement. I've seen clips from it. Okay, fine. Anyway, good what? job, Brennan. What are you saying? Nothing. I wasn't saying anything. I was just like making sure that your sources were credible. 
So, do you have any uh, last things you want to tell the good people about The Conjuring 2? Um, Should they buy this DVD Blu-ray Ultraviolet? Uh, Should they buy this Ultravox CD? Uh, Should they buy this Laserdisc, this Betamax? Nobody makes Betamax anymore. This, uh, I'm so sad I have my player in like the basement. Should I buy this on like a uh, 35 millimeter film print? Yes. I was going to say no to Betamax. When you're saying 35 millimeter film print, I feel like that's a must have, you know, <laughs> for every film collector's collection. You're right. For your collecting habits. No, but, uh, but seriously, should they buy this on home video? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say wait like a couple months and buy it on like Black Friday or something. Okay. But it was good enough to own. Like, yes, he does use a lot of borrowed tropes for movies, but he does introduce a lot of his own stuff. Like when a little girl is attached to the ceiling and like the strings are pulling I do her back. like that sequence. Like that one was really good. The scene that we talked about, the special effects where it fades between uh, Patrick Wilson and a little girl slash old man was good. Um, the water scare really got me enough that it's the only thing I can ever talk about yeah. or mention. Uh, what was good? Uh, that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my okay. head. I didn't yeah. have notes to take in the theater, so I'm sorry that my that my review is not up to par with its usual caliber of excellence. No problem. And uh, I would say if you really love The Conjuring, yeah, buy The Conjuring too. It's good enough as a sequel mm-hmm. and as a movie that it's worth owning. All right. But otherwise, red box it. Yeah. You should always red box it. There are good people there. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. If you have any thoughts you want to share on The Conjuring 2, you can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod, on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. Via You can contact us via email at Scream101Pod at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review us. Give us five stars because... We desperately need it. Yeah, we do. I'm not ashamed to say. Yeah, we're, we're chilling. We're going to... Uh, we'll do anything you want. For a five-star uh, review. Yeah. Feel free to tell us that you'll give us a five-star review. Mail us or like send us some kind of copy that you have, and then we'll do that thing. You said well, we'll do anything. So, How are they going to mail us? Email. Okay. That's a thing. Yeah, you're right. People still email. They do. I emailed you the other day. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. All right. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Have a safe trip. Yeah, find us on iTunes or we'll fun on your journey. I like turtles. That's good. The turtles are fun. Maria Doyle Kennedy. Maria Doyle Kennedy. Okay. She's Spanish, but she's really English. Why would I think she's Spanish? Well, because you didn't watch the Tudors, but she was on the Tudors, and she played Catherine of Aragon, who was a Spanish princess. Pretty. Who became Queen of England. I do know some history. Anyway. She was the first of Henry VIII's wives. Yeah. Here's the plot. Uh, She's the one who survived. Yeah. Um, Well, she got to live to see her long years. One of the other ones survived, too. Yeah, one of the middle ones. I think it was Jane Seymour, the last one, right? The one who lived with the monkeys? Did she live with monkeys? I feel like that's the, the gorillas in the mist. I have no idea. Actually, yeah, I remember seeing a little monkey on her when I read that book. A little monkey. Okay. Maria Doyle Kennedy. Okay, okay. We're going to heat up so fast. The Fae? You mean where Ben Dragon? Not Ben Dragon. What's that? Beowulf is from? What? Isn't Beowulf from the Fae? Well, the Fae is like the fairy folk. Oh. I, no, I'm thinking of the Fen. Oh, the where's, Fen is where's where? Slytherin's from? Is that where Slytherin's from? Yeah. 
I th- who is where is Grendel from? I never watched that movie or read Well, it's it also a book. I didn't do any of those things. Uh, well, I didn't read it well enough. It used to, there used to be a copy in this house, I feel like. Probably Brennan. Oh. Anyway. Uh, Fact checking. Fact checking. <laughs> Maria Doyle Kennedy. Fact checking. I fact checked that, remember? Have fun on your journey. God. No, you can't. Because that reference is going to be like months old by the time this episode I'm comes sticking out. with it. So this is going to be like the, like your constant in-joke yeah. with whatever. Stay gold and have fun on your journey. That's just going to be your like your closing. So. Yeah. Oh, I Stay need gold and have fun on your journey. Uh, peace and love. Las Vegas. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. This episode was brought to you by Cupholder Radio. You can find more episodes of this show and others at cupholderradio.com or wherever podcasts are sold. Get out. The podcast is coming from inside the house. Hello there. I'm Uncle Ponyboy. Do you like suspense? Don't go in there. Buckets of blood and human excrement? Pour upon me. Gratuitous nudity with more boobies than you can handle? Let me see them. And radical hairstyles? Oh, yeah. Then you should check out the Gore Gab podcast, hosted by yours truly and DJ Gill. Hello. You can find us on the iTunes podcast store, and on Twitter at Gorgab Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead and go check out cupholderradio.com. It's podcast for the weird at heart.